Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Hello. That was a very angsty song. Um, So angsty. Uh, That was written in large part by the Apostle Paul. Um, He didn't write the song. He wrote the content of the song. And so um, it's really interesting because you think, you know, he's an apostle. He wrote most of the Bible or most of the New Testament that he would be calm. But he's he's not. He's he's got this stuff inside of him. And... um, I think that's what a lot of junior high kids have in them, and it's a really great kind of way to see them. But before we do, let me introduce myself, because some of you don't know me. Um, my name is John. I, uh, this, that was my wife, and um, I tried to get a better portrait of us, but I couldn't because I have four kids, and they're just always running in different directions. So um, my son made that, and um, if you, he's five, or he was five when he wrote it. Um, If you want a really clear view of yourself, have a five-year-old draw your picture. (laughs) It's not great, Um, but it's true. It's just unvarnished. And um, I think it's really fascinating because if you look really closely at it, it, we look a lot like the goblins from Harry Potter. (laughs) It's it's uncanny. It's a little scary. Um, But whatever. So... I have four kids. I have uh, Robin, who's singing, is my wife, and we, we run the junior high program here at Montrose Church. We've been here for a long time. Um, and we were at a staff meeting the other day, like a month ago, and we were looking at the calendar, and we realized that there was a big hole in the calendar um, where nobody was scheduled to preach, and Dave was going to be gone, and there was no series, and it was, it was like, you know, whoa. And we, we started looking at who was around, who could cover uh, that Sunday. So, you know, a lot of people were gone, right? Because <laughs> they were, you know, in Africa and stuff. And then we started talking about, like, who could cover it. And, and everybody's like, oh, well, the VPS is coming. So I'm really busy. Oh, well, I got to, you know, do this and that. And so, like, the availability, <laughs> it got much more narrow. And then Rick was just like, nope. I'm not, I'm not doing it. It's just, nope, right? Just, so you can hear him say that, can't you, in your head? Nope. Um, so then everybody just looks at me, and I'm like, no. But, so, so uh, yeah, here I am. So there's no series. There's, we're not, there's no direction, really. So Dave's just like, hey, talk about whatever you want. And he smiles about it. And I was like... That's so encouraging to someone else, and to me, it's not, because I don't, I, I don't teach adults. I teach teenagers, and so I don't have any content for adults, and I was like running through my list of stuff that I wanted to talk about, and um, so there it is. Um, I don't want to talk about anything. I don't want to be up here. I want to be in a corner this dark with a book, and I don't want to talk to anybody, I just want to hide. Um, And I'm not exaggerating about that one. Everything else. So um, I went to my therapist's office. um, (laughs) 
There it is. Um, and I'm not kidding about that either. So I, um, I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. Like, uh, so I went and had ice cream and I felt better. And um, I still didn't know what to do. So I was walking out of Baskin Robbins, interestingly enough, and I saw this sign. And, um, and I was like, oh, now I have something to talk about because this sign is ridiculous. Look at this sign. Rosemont kids with four exclamation points. And then parentheses only. Like, like, like adults aren't reading that going, eh, right? Only Rosemont kids should read this. Don't come in if you won't buy anything. No outside food. Clean up after yourselves or we will ask you to leave. <laughs> Have manners, be respectful. Very much like they are being in that sign. Um, and like, okay, okay, I get it. Like if you are the Baskin Robbins owner, like I understand your pain. Um, I have been there when school lets out and it's, it's nuts. The kids just flood that whole area from, from Baskin Robbins to Ralph's and, and they're, they're clueless, right? They just walk into cars and each other and they're just screaming and they're throwing junk at each other. And I, yes, yes, you, we, need to, we need to have some boundaries and stuff, but like, come on, this is ridiculous. I am not a small business owner. I do not know what the solution is to having junior high kids in your business. Maybe don't sell ice cream, but <laughs> I, I am a junior high pastor, so I have, I have some experience with them. I know some things about them, and I know we can do better. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about. So let me tell you about uh, junior high kids, because, because they're interesting. Um, they are they're definitely obnoxious. <laughs> but they're also endearing, and they're obnoxious and endearing really at the same time. And it's kind of fun. Um, they're very loud. They just run around, and they do things, and they don't know why and they're screaming and they're yelling and um, yeah, they make weird hand signs that then I take a picture of and put in front of them. And um, they go, oh, why did I do that? Because they, they don't know why. And the thing is that they're trying, to, they're trying to see what they can do. So like they're trying to get a reaction out of us, out of us adults. So if you are in the store and you're like going down the toilet paper aisle and you see a bunch of junior high kids and they're throwing toilet paper at each other as they do, they're trying to get you to make that face, right? And run away, because then they win, right? They, they have power of you, and they have succeeded in doing something, anything, for the world around them. Um, and that's, that's if, you, if you understand that that's kind of how they're operating, they become less annoying, but they're still annoying. So um, I want to tell you about one in particular. Um, his name is Leo. Now, Leo... You can tell by the picture, Leo is loud, and um, his mouth never closes. He is constantly, constantly talking. Some of my volunteers are here, and they're all like nodding their head. He is so loud, um, and, and he is also featured on the wall outside of important people. All the important people in our church are on pictures <laughs> in that wall. I'm not on it. Um, so... Leo is, is there, and, you know, he, he, again, his mouth never closes. And, and he's loud. And, and when he was going into junior high, he had been in children's church for a long time, and I'd known him since, I think, second grade. And I'd had his brother, and his whole family is great. The Bogosians are, like, fantastic, super nice, super generous. And, um, 
when, when Leah was coming in, some of the children's people had said to me, like, took me aside, and they said, hey, so Leo's coming up into junior high. And I was like, yeah, I know. And they're like, we'll pray for you. <laughs> I was like, why? It's just Leo. Trust me. We'll pray for you. I was like, okay. So sure enough, he comes into junior high, and he's, he's loud, and he, he talks all the time. And it's just like, man. And he, he has no fear. He will just, you know, run you over. And he's not very tall either. So he's, he's, it's just, he is himself and he is himself all the time. And it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic unless you have to talk to a bunch of them and you can't because he's constantly talking. Um, so I went, um, well, okay. So my kids were like, hey, John or dad, can we go get donuts after school one day? And I was like, yeah, I don't feel very good. Let's go get donuts. So um, <laughs> we went to Foster's and we went to get donuts and we were there, you know, at the, the weird hour of like school getting out where they were, you know, mobbing Baskin Robbins. And some of them came down to the donut store and one of them was Leo. And he comes in and my kids and I are sitting there and I was like, oh no, what is gonna happen? Like he, he's gonna, he's gonna be awful. Like he's gonna kick, get kicked out, but he wasn't. He, he comes up and he's polite. I think he said, please. I'm pretty sure he said, thank you. He paid, he tipped the donut people. I was like, wow, this is a, a new side of Leo that I've never seen before. I wish he would show up more often at youth group. And so uh, my kids and I finish our donuts and, and we're walking out and Leo finishes his donut kind of at the same time. And you know, we walk and we're like at the door at the same time. We're like, oh. And, and he looks and you know, remember there's there's four of them, and there's one of me, and I only have two arms, and so I'm like trying to figure out how am I gonna get them across the street because it's really busy at that time because parents are coming to pick the kids up, Ubers and Lyfts and all this weirdness, and, and there's a lot of cars, and so I'm trying to get out. Leo's in my way, and we get to the door, and he, he looks at my kids, and he says, wait, hold my hands. So the two littlest kids, you know, like the three-year-old and the four-year-old. And he holds their hands, and, he, and we walk together, and he goes, look both ways. And they look both ways. And then he, he walks them out, right? And he walks them with me to my car. And I was like, what, what is going on? Like, who, who is this kid? Because that's not, that's not who I've seen. And then he, you know, we, he's like, bye, and he leaves. Like, as if nothing happened, as if it wasn't even a big deal to him. And I'm like... You know, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. Like, I'm, like, putting my kids in the car. Dad, why are, why are your eyes wet? Shut up. Like, you know. And when, um, like, I mean, I was shocked because I just had not seen that in him. When people ask Robin and I why we, why we deal with teenagers, you know, really, because they have so much potential. They are, they're on the roller coaster, but they're not like having the fun parts. They're on the big hill at the start. They're gathering all this energy. And they're not, they're not always aware of it. They've been just kind of hanging out and all of a sudden they are seeing, oh, I'm going way up and this is getting terrifying. And that's why they're screaming all the time because they're perpetually terrified. Um, <laughs> and, and it's so exciting. And when you see them turn a corner, like especially in their spiritual development, like with God and they connect, it's, it's so great because they have so much potential and then they can start riding the roller coaster and have fun and do great things in life and then people are like no but really like how do you how do you deal with them because they're not asking like why like what the noble reason is they're asking how do you how do you endure them and I um, don't have a great answer 
and so they, you know, yeah. So um, the, the question is how, because they see teenagers who are annoying and they like, how would, why? Uh. So I didn't have a great answer for a really long time. And then I was reading a book on parenting and um, there was this, this passage in it. And I was like, oh, that explains so much about my already, you know, weird, ambiguous views about how to deal with kids. And it's from the first chapter of the Bible. Let me read it to you. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the creatures that crawl on the earth. So man created man in his, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, etc., etc. And then at the end, and God, and it was so. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. He doesn't say anything's very good until then, and that's significant. So that's what I kind of want to focus on: is those two little passages. God created man in His own image. He created him in the image of God. Now. That's important. That means something significant. And if you can remember that all of these kids inside their souls were created in the image of God, that helps you do a lot of stuff. That helps you view them, view them well. Now, before you email Dave, I know, <laughs> I know, I have read it. Chapter 3 of Genesis through the rest of the Bible is about how everybody's broken and how we're all trying to get back to God and nothing is good anymore. I know that. But... It started good. Our soul, which is created by God, is still good. It's an important distinction. God created man in his own image, and it was very good. And it, it makes me change how I view kids. Um, we always have kind of the same sort of kids every year. And um, there's always the really goofy kid, um, Jacob Goldsworthy there on the left. Um, he's, he's climbed into the space where the chair legs are in the chair rack for no good reason. He's just in there. Every week he does this. And every week he's just laughing like a hyena. And I'm like, you're going to get hurt. And he's like, I don't know. Dude, like every week, so annoying. And um, then you have the, the kid, usually, um, usually a seventh grader who doesn't know that much about life yet, and he's always smiling, and you're like, oh, you're so sweet, and that's great. And then he turns into the eighth grade kid that's always making that face, <laughs> just constantly. <laughs> hey, I got some good news for you. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> Um, so, you know, if, if you want to make me more comfortable, you can throw things at me. That's, that's what they do. You can just boo me. That's what they do all the time. Um, you can make that face at me. Mateo, who's sitting right there. Um, so, I think that that song, which is, you know, what Apostle Paul wrote, has so much of this teenage angst and this teenage conflict in it. And I think there's so much in there that is... It's so interesting, and I want to kind of go through a little bit of that and kind of like, these are what junior high kids are like, and this is why. So 
Let me read it to you. It's complicated. For I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do. But I do what I hate. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discovered this principle. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law, because he's created in the image of God. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this dying body? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And again, I just want to look at one little piece. Just this one piece. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, I went looking at this word, these words here, this desire, because it's translated a bunch of different ways, and I was like, well, what does that really mean? And so I went on the internet, and I looked at symbols of Greek that I don't understand how they, I, I barely read English. So, um, but I can match them, and I can see, you know, Homer used it like this, and Paul and John. And so I, I found out this really interesting thing that was like, oh, very intellectually stimulating. The word desire here is the word wish. But it's not the word wish like I wish I had, you know, better clothes or, you know, food right now or I wish that it wasn't so hot. It's not I wish I had, you know, a genie so I could rub it and like get a million other wishes. Like it's not that. It's, it's not even like I wish the sermon were over. It's, it's I wish for a thing that is this vision that is already complete. It's fully formed. It is this thing. And, and the best way I can kind of emphasize that is like, think about going to Hawaii, right? You may have been to Hawaii. You may have just seen pictures. You may be like me. And the only interaction with Hawaii that you've had is the Brady Bunch episode where they go to Hawaii. Um, but even if you don't know what it's like, if I say, picture yourself on a beach in Hawaii watching the sunset, we all basically get to the same place, right? And we all can hear the waves and, you know, feel the breeze and the sun's going down, which is nice because the sun is awful. And it's, ah, it's great. So that's where we all end up. That is what he's talking about. This wish that's fully formed, this thing that's all done. The desire to do good. Now, I have desires and I have plans. And um, my wife, like, changes her hair all the time, like all the time. And... um, (laughs) It's always this big, like, ordeal, and she has to go down to Orange County where her, where her person is, you know. And um, it's like an all-day thing. And so they go down there, and she, you know, they, like, color it, and then they cut it, and then they go to lunch, and then they go to tea, and then they go to coffee, and then they come back, and they color it more, and they cut it more. I don't know what they do. Like, <laughs> I just shave my head. I don't, I don't know. So um, she probably has a wish of what her hair should be like at the end of it. Um, 
So she'll tell me, hey, John, I want to go get my hair done, and um, I'm going to you know, take this Saturday and go. And I'm like, okay, cool. And immediately, I think, I have the day with my kids. I have a plan. I have a thing I want to do. And usually it involves this, like in my head, and it's, it's fully formed in my head right away. I'm going to wake up early. Before Robin, I'm going to wake up before the kids. I'm going to get everything ready beforehand, like 6 o'clock, yes. And... And I'm going to be ready for it. And I'm going to have coffee ready for her. And it's going to be like steaming. And it's great. And she's going to wake up. Oh, thank you. And, and I'm going to have all the kids ready before she's up. And everything's going to be great. And, and then I'm going to take them to breakfast. Not brunch, because brunch is for people who don't get up early. I'm going to take them to breakfast because I get up early. And I don't really get up early, in case you were wondering. Um, and we're going to go to breakfast, and we're going to be smiling and eating, you know, Mickey Mouse-shaped pancakes, and it's going to be fantastic, and they're going to love me. And then we're going to go to the library, and we're going to read encyclopedias and get smart. Yes! Because that's what we got to do, and it's already in my head. I know this. And then we're going to go to the museum and get cultured. Right? Oh, it's going to be fantastic. And... Um, on the way home from the museum, we're going to go to the farmer's market and we're going to pick out organic, you know, greenery and things. And I'm going to say to my kids, pick out some broccoli that you want to eat. And they're going to do it willingly and they're going to, oh, I want this and this and this weird thing that I don't know how to pronounce. And, and then we're going to go home and, and it's going to be awesome and everybody's going to be happy and we're going to get home and I'm just going to suggest, you know, guys, you know, your room could be cleaner. Oh, you're right, Dad. And they're going to go clean their rooms on their own. And like while they're cleaning their rooms, I'm going to clean the house. And I'm going to do it so well and so fast that I'm going to touch up the paint chips that my kids create every day. And I'm going to do all the dishes and I'm going to dry them and put them away. Like it's going to be amazing. And we're going to have dinner outside. We're going to have a bonfire and roast our vegetables. <laughs> And sing kumbaya. It's going to be so great. And then, children, time for bed. Yes, father. And they're going to go to, go to their rooms, and they're going to be in matched pajamas. And they're going to brush their teeth for, like, more than two seconds. And um, they're going to lay in bed, and they're going to, you know, be smiling. And Robin's going to come home to this, you know, perfect thing. And she's going to come say goodnight to the kids. And... She'll say, how was your day? Oh, mom, it was the best day ever because of our father. <laughs> that is a great vision. That is a great wish. And I have that. I am telling you, like, every time she goes, that's my wish. <laughs> that's not what happens, right? <laughs> if Robin gets home and my kids are alive, we are doing well, you know? And it is not an organic dinner of vegetables. Like, I am sweating and stressed out at the stove with a thing of top ramen. Because <laughs> I don't know how to make it. And I swear to you, I do this every time. I, like, look at it. I think, put the thing in. I look at the direction. I'm like, okay, cool. That's easy. And I throw the directions away. And then I, wait a second. And I take the directions out of the trash. Like, eight times. Every time I make top ramen. So now I just give it to them dry. Like, here. <laughs> Break your teeth. So, um, I'm not kidding. And like, uh, it's top ramen, it's easy, but uh, because I have the desire to do what is good, but I don't have the ability to do it. 
The desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Which is weird, right? That, that Paul is talking about practicing evil. Like he's going to get really good at this kind of evil, and then he's going to practice and get really good at this kind of evil and just keep building his way up to like bigger and better evil. So that's not really what he means when he says this. Um, what he means is by practice, he's meaning his habits. He's going to have, he has these habits. And, and they're not like the things he, he's trying to do. It's just the things that he kind of does by default. And, um, and it's not really so much evil. It's really things that harm him. That's what he's talking about. So um, he practices, he has these habits and these things that harm him. And I was thinking about all the habits I have, like the bad habits I have. And I, I thought, you know, like, who does it really hurt to have my shoes in the middle of the floor and like, you know, watch Netflix and bite my nails? But I think, you know, if Robin trips over my shoes in the middle of the night, sure, she'll get harmed. So, and then I will get harmed because that's my wife with broken legs and stuff. So, okay, maybe, but that's not really what he's talking about. He's talking about the habits of just living and like what that's like. And so I was thinking about my habits and the, the habits I have that I really want, right? And what I want my habit to be is that people come to me and they want me to talk to them and they want me to listen because I am a good listener and I'm a caring friend and that's what I want. You know, that I can make that face and I did you that hand thing like, oh, tell me more. Very interesting. Like, I want that. That's the habit that I want to be in. But the habit that I'm actually in is way, way, way more like that, right? <laughs> I just, I don't have the patience to like listen and I don't care. And I'm sorry. That's what I want though. That's the habit I want and this is the habit that harms me. So as a result, people just don't come to me because I just roll my eyes at them all the time. I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. And it's not just in this passage that Paul does this. Um, he is conflicted all over the place. Um, he is conflicted in 1 Corinthians when he's talking about love and how it is. And, you know, that's part of the song. And he's conflicted in all these other places that he writes. If you read his stuff, you're just like, man, like, was he a junior high girl at the time? Like, it's just, it's weird. And um, he's not, just in case you're wondering. Don't tell Dave. Um, so he has... In a lot of these classical pictures, he has this sword, and you can kind of see it, it's on the edge. Um, because he, you know, he's this fierce guy, and he comes in, and he, like, cuts down all these arguments, and he makes all this stuff, and he fixes things. And it's interesting, because in, in some of the early writings, and even in one of his letters, he talks about how, you know, he's fierce, but then when he gets to a place, people don't think he's very, very impressive. And... And he talks about how that, like, that stings him. And he's like, ugh. Um, but then in other parts, he's, like, bragging about how great he is. It's, it's, he's just, he's conflicted all over the place. And that's how junior high kids are, right? They think that they can do all these amazing things. And they tell you that they can do all these amazing things. And then they don't do them well. And, like, Robin one time went on a retreat with girls. And this, oh, I, am, I am a manicurist, basically. Like, you should let me do your nails. And she, like her whole hand was covered in nail polish and it was just gross because 
they think they can do these things, but they're not. They're conflicted, really. So one of the things that they do is they, they just speak their mind, right? They're very blunt, very much like Paul with a sword. They just speak their mind. And this happens basically uh, usually once a week. A junior high kid will come up to me. They'll look at me. They'll give me a little stare, and they'll say, you're ugly. And it happens all the time. And at this point, like, I've been, you know, here since, like, the year 2000, and we've been doing junior high ministry since 2002. Like, I'm pretty used to this at this point. But it's still weird that, like, they just feel free to, like, you're ugly. Like, okay, fine. Um, and then, like, 10 minutes later, sometimes, like, you know, the next sentence, they'll be like, oh, John, help me do this. You need to help me do this. Like, I can't do this. Help me do this. And I'm always like, wait, you just said I was ugly, and now you want me to help you. And you don't see that those two things are connected. Like, no, they don't. They're just like, whatever. Um, and it's weird, right? They, they say these things, and they're trying to get these reactions. Imagine that they are sitting at the edge of the Grand Canyon, and they are just calling out to the world, and they're hoping to hear an echo. And we, adults, are either the ones that give them and cut off their echo, or we're echoing things back. And hopefully we're echoing good things back to them so that they can grow up. Because that's how they know that they matter. That's how they know they make a difference is if we give them good feedback, even if they're telling us we're ugly, that we don't stoop down to that level, right? So I think um, when people ask me what, like, what do you do? How do you deal with them? How do you think of them to make them less obnoxious? There's, there's a thing that I've been thinking, and if you think of them like a wild animal, not like a grizzly bear that's going to attack you as soon as it sees you, but like maybe like a wild dog. Like, you know, it's a dog, and dogs are nice, but this one is a little dangerous. And so you want to give it its space and respect it. You don't want to, like, come too close to it without, like, food, <laughs> which is very much like junior high kids. Um, but, you know, if you, if you are good to the wild dog, it'll follow you home and, you know, eat your chickens. I don't know. Um, I haven't thought this that much through. So... Um, what I think is if we treat them well, we respect them because they're going through really hard stuff. It's hard to grow up, and it's harder now to grow up because everything they do has to be documented on phones and online and all this stuff, and it's, there's a lot of pressure. If you can think about them like that, I think we can, we can do better. We don't have to make mean signs for them. This is Leo again on Thanksgiving making food for the homeless. We went downtown and we made food for the homeless all morning. And he took his, his morning to, to join us. And there's a whole bunch of kids that are doing this because we're echoing back good things. If we have a good thing for them to do, they'll do it. They're, they're game for most things. But if all we do is just tell them that they're obnoxious, which they are, then they're just not gonna, they're not gonna go anywhere with it. They've been, they've been kids, right? And now they're, they're growing up. And, and, and a lot of us think, like, well, we've heard all this stuff about your inner child and there's this fun, sweet, innocent person. I don't know anything about the inner child. I don't know that I have an inner child. Um, but I do know that I have an inner junior higher. <laughs> and, and that inner junior higher talks to me. Right? And, and sometimes when I'm speaking 
he just starts to speak. And when I'm acting, he starts to take over. And you can see this. There's evidence for this, right? Um, all over the place. Like if you go to the bank and it takes too long and somebody is behind you and they're like huffing and sighing, that's their inner junior hire doing that. That's not them. Um, on the freeway, all over the place, inner junior hires are driving. They shouldn't drive. They don't know how to drive, but they are. Um, <laughs> when you go to Starbucks and somebody throws a tantrum because they got the wrong coffee, that's their inner junior hire. It's not their fault. And, um, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. Facebook is only junior hires. Um, you know, that's how it is. So um, my inner junior hire and I, we talk. And, and he says things to me. He says very specific things to me. Um, things like this. You know, you're dumb and you're ugly and, uh, you know, you're a failure. And, and it's always like I'm almost asleep, right? And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to rest because my kids have been crazy all day. And then he's like, hey, John, you awake? Yeah, what's up? You suck. Like, ah. <laughs> Stop. So that's how it is. And I think we all have something like that going on, right? We all have a voice in our head that talks to us and says some pretty unkind things. The thing with junior high kids is they don't process a lot of things. They, they take things in and they regurgitate them, right? And say, so they observe a situation and they report on it. And, and they do it almost instantaneously. They look at a thing and they're like, oh, that, well, that thing. Like, you can be standing with them looking at the same thing and they're like, that thing, that, that, that piece of glass is yellow. Yeah, I know, I'm right here. Yeah, it's yellow. Okay, like, and it doesn't matter like what it is. It doesn't matter like if it's good or bad. They just report on the things that they see. They don't process the things that they see. They don't have a lot of context of the things they see because their brains aren't there yet. It's not because they're bad. It's because their brains are developing this, these skills. So um, we used to go on this camping trip uh, back when I had burly dudes to help me, like Don right there. Um, and I am not a camper. Remember, I don't like the sun or outside. Um, I like reading in a dark corner. And so I would ask, you know, hey, could we go with you camping? And they're like, yeah, come on. And so like, I would take my kids with them and they would camp us. And um, it, was, it, was, it was good, because I didn't have to do it. I just was like, ah. Um, so we went up to Kern River this one year, and it's, um, it's really dark, and the, the road is windy, and these crazy rocks are like right on the side of the road when you're driving. It's very difficult. It's very scary. It's, it's nerve-wracking. And, and, and I'm like, I'm driving, and you know, I'm like paying attention and focusing, and like kids are talking, and I'm not really totally listening to what they're saying. And all of a sudden, there's like this thing where they're like, ah! I'm like, what, what is going on? And, and this one kid says, who are we going to do life hacks on? And I was like, life hacks? Who are you going to do life hacks? Life hacks are like what you do when you're like recycling your trash into something useful. Like life hacks are not something you do to someone. That's like, that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, no, like who are we going to life hack? And then his other friend is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, like who are we going to like, like, you know, put a snake in their like sleeping bag or like pour water in them when they're sleeping. Like, what are we gonna do? What life hacks are we gonna do? And he's like, that's not, those aren't life hacks, those are pranks, right? <laughs> and you're not gonna do pranks because pranks are unacceptable. It's not okay. So, 
But that's just, that's what they do. They have these things, they hear these words, and they just spit them out, and they don't know where they actually go. They just blah. So they don't have context. And to a junior high kid, you look at, you know, something, some magnificent Mark Rothko painting, and they're just like, it's orange, I can do that in my sleep, right? And you're like, well, no, you don't have that much paint because it's like ginormous, and you don't have that much money to buy a canvas that big. And, and, and the whole thing of it is like, Nobody had done that before. Everybody was painting realistic things. And then he was like, I'm going to paint an emotion, blah. But they're like, I don't care. I could do that. Like, okay. Well, they don't have any context. They always, for a junior high kid, this will always be just, a, just orange. It's not anything significant to them until they grow up. So my inner dialogue and I, we have these conversations. And, and I don't have... I don't have a voice that has context. I just have a voice that just tells me things all the time that is, are, are awful. And, um, and they tell me things like, um, here you are, John, on stage by yourself. You've been here how long? Since 2002? And you've never been here. Everybody else gets a chance to talk. Why don't you? Because you're a loser. Because you're a failure. How many kids have you led to Christ in your lifetime? Well, I, I don't know, not a lot. Because they're developing, like they're getting, they're gonna get there in high school. No, it's because you suck. It's because you're a failure. And those are the conversations I have all the time. And, and you know, like some of it is true. Like that's the thing about them. They observe things, but they're not telling the truth. They're just telling you what they see. They lack the context to get it straight. Um, I, I read to my kids like every night and they, they love it when I read this book, Swimmy. And Swimmy is about this fish that has a group of fish that he hangs out with and then they all get eaten but he's faster than them and so he gets away and then he swims around and he finds another group of fish and they decide they're going to form this big fish shape and they're going to scare all the other big fish away. And, you know, whenever my kids read it, they're like, oh, I want to be Swimmy. Everybody wants to be Swimmy because... You know, he's fast and he's black and he's cool and he has all the ideas. Like, nobody wants to be the, the last fish on the tail <laughs> because you don't get any action. You don't even get to see anything. You're just, like, following everybody else. And um, Paul talks about the, the church as the body of Christ, that we're all these pieces and we all come together and we don't form a fish. We form, you know, Jesus. And... He talks about the eye and the ear. They can't both be, you know, the mouth and they can't argue because they all have their place and they got to do their thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's true. You know, what he doesn't say is somebody has to be the big toe and somebody has to be the big toenail. <laughs> and I... I, I it's so weird because I, I, I go up to the youth house, you know, a couple times a week and I talk to these kids that have angst and conflict and I tell them what I believe, that God loves them and that they are children of God. And all these songs that we are singing, I, we sing those songs and I tell them, guys, you are loved by God because you're so important. You're so important and he loves you so much. And, and we talk about that so often. And then I go home and... And I don't think it applies to me. I know it does. Like, I know God loves me, but I don't really believe it. I know he loves me, but I don't really think he likes me. 
it's not, it's not where I want to be. It's not where I should be, but it's, it's what it is. And Paul talks about that too at the very end of that passage. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this dying body? Jesus. Jesus is going to rescue him. Now, if you've sat through this and you're like, dude, this is whatever, like, and you don't have an inner junior high voice and you're like totally cool, you got it all together, that is awesome. And I'm very excited for you because it is totally good and okay to not have these things going on. If you are a fully formed and functioning human, awesome. We need you because the rest of us who are not, we need examples and we need some help. And so, awesome. You're a fully functioning human. You don't have that gnawing voice in your head. Cool. But if you're not, maybe you're a little bit like me. And um, I, read, I, I saw this quote and I thought, that's, that's so much like me. Um, it's about this writer, James Joyce, who's a, kind of a weird dude, but you know, he writes these giant novels that are like, filled with important things and sometimes gibberish, but whatever. Um, and there's this, this story about him. A friend came to visit James Joyce one day and found the great man sprawled across his writing desk in a posture of utter despair. James, what's wrong? The friend asked. Is it the work? James indicated, Joyce indicated assent without even raising his head to look at his friend. Of course it was the work. Isn't it always? How many words did you get today? The friend pursued. Joyce, still in despair, still sprawled face down on his desk. Seven. Seven? But James, that's good at least for you. Yes, Joyce said, finally looking up. I suppose it is, but I don't know what order they go in. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> think about that all the time. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know all the things. I just don't, I don't know when to swear. So if you're like me, I have, I have um, a list of things that you can try that, that may help. Um, and the first thing is this. If you are like me and you are not super pleased with yourself and you don't really want to be around, you should get help. You should get real help. You should get real help from a professional who does these kind of things. You cannot just pray about it and have it go away. I spent 30 odd years just praying about it. And then last year, I decided I was done. And I was about to check out early. And some people helped me and got me some real help. You should pray about it, but that is not how you get from total despair into anything normal. You need real help. Find some real help. In fact, call our office and we can get you a good list of people that can help you. Don't call me. That's not going to go well. But our voicemail... <laughs> is always open, and Sherry is very good at returning calls, unlike me. And if you call this number, 818-249-8309, you can talk to somebody who can get you a list of people to go see. Real help, who can really help you. Please, please do that. The next thing 
you got to get better voices. you got to get better voices in your head because the, the junior high voice in your head is not, it's not great. It's not going to help you very much. Um, you can find the good voices if you go talk to someone and you say, they're like, hey, how are you? And you say, eh, I'm fine. If they, if they say, oh, well, what's, what's going on? And they actually stay to listen, that's probably a good voice. If they're just like, okay, cool, and they keep walking, that's not a good voice for you, right? There's plenty of people out there and there's plenty of voices. What you need is someone who sees you for real. Someone who will look at you in the eyes and tell you things that are true about you. And man, it is uncomfortable when they do. It is like, like, get away. Like, I don't want you here this close to my face, Martha. But that's how it is sometimes (laughs) when people know you and are a good voice in your life. It's uncomfortable. These people who say, don't worry, you'll be fine, They're probably fine people. They're very well-meaning, but you should not have those people as your voice because they don't see you. You need people that see you. The next thing I think you should do, get out of your own head. If you want, if you have, if you ever encounter a junior high kid in the wild and they are super annoying to you and you just can't figure out what to do because every look you give them doesn't work, just ignore them. Just totally ignore them. And very soon they'll stop doing their nonsense because the only want attention that's what they want and the voice in your head just wants attention too so if you cut it off it stops because you can't just cut it off right because because it's it takes over you have to get away from it and the way to get away from it is to help somebody else to do something else to go and serve someone the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest and who was the best and i don't think it's coincidence that then jesus takes that time and washes their feet and says the last will be first Down at Kids Church, there's all kinds of stuff to do. And especially after the last service, there's all kinds of stuff that Shauna has like made and it's cool, but it all needs to get loaded back in. And she's asked me to to request some help. And that is a great way to get out of your head because it's hard to listen to the junior high kid when you're grabbing giant benches and schlepping them across the yard. It's an easy thing to do. You don't have to have everything together to serve in that way. You can just do stuff. You can just help. And then, of course, really the the thing that's going to work the best is to hear God's voice. And um, every youth pastor in the history of youth pastoring um, ends every talk with this. Just pray and read your Bible. Um, And it's not true. It's not, that is not the application point that I want you to take. Just pray and read your Bible. You should do that. It's super great that you do, but it's not the only thing. Um, But interestingly enough, I think that... um, The only way you hear God's voice is by praying. But it's hard to do. And if you're like me, you are like, you know, going to sleep and you like can't, and you're just like restless. You're like, oh, I know how to get to sleep. And you start praying and you like fall asleep, right? So if you have a hard time figuring out when to pray, I have a really good trick for you. And um, it came about, I was at the office once and Robin and I used to live down the street. And when we had the offices here, Martha came in one day and she was like, hey, I saw, I drove by your apartment and, and I prayed for you. And I was like, that is super creepy. Like, what? She's like, yeah, like I was just driving and I saw it and I was like, oh, I'm going to pray for John and Robin. And, and I was like, well, that's weird. I'm going to do it back to her. So I <laughs> drove by her house and I was like, oh, there's, Robin, there's Martha's house. I'm going to pray for Martha. And... Um, <laughs> 
And then I was like, I pray for you too. And, um, and I was like, I didn't think much of it. And I kept doing it because it was silly. And, and what happened is I started to change in my soul. Because like, I wasn't directing the changes to Martha's life. I don't even know all this stuff that needed to happen. I was just praying for her in general. But it was a moment that was, that was triggering me to pray and connect with God. And the more I did that, the more God was in me and the more I could start to hear him. And now we live way up the hill. So I pray, I'm like going past everybody's houses and I'm, oh, pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. And it, it changes you. And it's, it's such a trite thing to say, just pray. And if you need real help, don't just pray. But you should try it. Pray for some other people and see what happens. Try it for like, I don't know, 10 years and see what happens. Good things, I promise you, I promise you. If you are like me, and you do have this stuff going on, I want you to get past it. I want me to get past it. I want my junior high kids to get past it. I want this not to be the thing. If, if I said out loud to a real person the things that I say to myself, my mom, wherever she is, would drive over and wash my mouth out with soap because it's terrible. You don't say those kind of things to people. But we have no problem saying those kind of things to ourselves. And I want that to stop. For me, for us, for the kids. Because we've got to echo good things back to them so that they can grow up well. So that they don't have these things. If you are stuck with some junior high experiences and pain and it's just followed you all of your adult life and it's just sticking in your head and it's saying bad things let's change that let's change that now let's change that this year I want to pray for you Jesus I wish that it was magic I wish this whole thing could be fixed just with a simple prayer and that all of this angst and all of this conflict and, and pain would just go away. And I know you could do that. I know that you are powerful and you could fix things, but I don't often see that. And so I pray for those of us that need to get out of this stuff, that you would give us you give us help. You give us better voices. You give us a place to get out of ourselves and you you give us things to pray about, people to pray for so we, we connect with you. I pray that you would start this today, that all of these voices in our head would be replaced by you, that you would speak the good things into us and that we would listen just to you because you are the one that has created us and you are wonderful and you love us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.